7 o'clock on a Saturday night, and as usual, that means it's time for the other podcast. I'm your host, Robert Stacy McCain. And I'm not. Hello, folks. It's the other guy on the other podcast, John Hogue here, and live and direct from exotic Valdosta, Georgia. Hello, Diana. Hello, hello. How are things down there? Well, uh... Well, as a true crime aficionado, you will appreciate that we uh, that a uh, suspect in a shooting outside of a bar last weekend was arrested. Yes, a Florida man, a 22-year-old Florida yes. resident. Yes. And that was at the Crave Bar and Hookah Lounge on Jerry Jones Drive. Yes. Yeah, have you been to the Crave Bar and Hookah Lounge? No, it just does not sound like my kind of scene. Um, hookahs <laughs> are like for people who can actually deal with tobacco anymore, and sadly, that's not me. Yeah, well, yeah, a Florida man was arrested in connection to a May 6 shooting in Valdosta that left three people injured. Oh, by the way, I'm, yep. I'm going to interrupt. i got to get to our... By the way, folks, you can find my blogging at theothermccain.com. Meanwhile, over at the blog called hogwash.com, by the way, that's spelled H-O-G-E-W-A-S-H. It's a takeoff on uh, an interjection. Yes. Anyway, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you can find my blogging there, and every once in a while, Diana blogs. Yeah, well, the only thing I had to say this week was uh, expressing my utter exasperation with spam calls, so I canceled my landline. Yeah, well, uh, that's our dog, Ginger, uh, uh, Ginger. uh, announcing the arrival of of someone in the driveway, probably. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, anyways, yes, little Ginger. Anyways, uh, a 22-year-old man from Jacksonville who worked for an armed security company that was hired uh, to work at the nightclub on Jerry Jones Drive Mm -hmm. uh, on the night of May 6th. He became involved in an altercation outside the club's entrance with one of the victims, pulled the gun, and started firing. People began running. Anyways, three different people were shot. Uh, yes. None of them fatally. So that's one, that's Thank one God crime that. story from that hotbed of uh, criminal activity known as uh, Valdosta, Georgia. But you've also got political crime down there. Well, we got political Ooh. crime all over. Yeah, we do. Sign stealing. That, yes, yes. But on the other, there's hand, so much of it. On the on the <laughs> other on the other hand, though, you see, we have to make sure that we get the information correct. Um, mm. if, by the way, there's a speaking of information, 
there is a dictionary update that is effective immediately. All agents, employees, and contractors of the Disinformation Governance Board, that's the GGB, uh, mm-hmm. shall be referred to as checkists. <laughs> yep. Death to spies. Yeah, the fact that well, it's... Well, no, that's the- check with a CK rather than just a K, so they're, they're, gonna, they're making a list and checking it twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they resemblance- and they know who's naughty or nice before the they check the list. The resemblance between the DGB and the KGB is probably not accidental. Yeah, well, I, whenever I use that abbreviation, I d- use Cyrillic alphabet anyway. Yeah, so. yeah, yes. yeah. Making Cyrillic jokes on on a podcast is kind of difficult. If you you'll have to go to and, and, and my, John's blog to see the joke. Yeah, oh, and yeah. and while you're there, you can uh, scroll down to another related story. Um, about when the science follows the <laughs> narrative. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I've got a link to a tweet uh, from Android Facts, but it has, in an exclusive interview CNN, with CNN, the chief of the FDA, uh, Dr. Califf, explained that, he, he's, uh, that the leading cause in the death in the United States is misinformation. <laughs> uh, I thought it was actually a slip and fall in the bathroom, but okay. Well, you know, there were some people who, there's some people who've died of heart attacks and cancer as well. On the other hand, yes. I can understand that it's entirely possible that if you had bad information, you could make poor healthcare choices. You know, it can happen. And what in heaven's name brought you to Casablanca? My health. I came to Casablanca for the waters. The waters? What waters? We're in the desert. I was misinformed. You see, <laughs> that misinformation will get you every time. I was misinformed. <laughs> yeah. That's that's one of the that's one of the great lines, man. <laughs> the first the first time I took my wife to see the movie, it was at a theater at a university. And so mm-hmm. help me, they could have turned off the audio because people in the audience were just doing all the dialogue. Yeah. Yes, like, yes, like they Rocky were. Horror. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The that uh, uh, the 1930s had had uh, you know the 19th the, the golden age of Hollywood. Well, this is 1943 mm-hmm. for uh, 43 for Casablanca. Well, depends. Well, yeah, okay. it was it was actually the filming was done in 42. Okay. But uh, the I'm sorry. but but the the you know the the thing is is that uh, you know. That that movie was being written on the fly. They were getting the next day's uh, shooting scripts, like when they went home from work at night. And uh, <laughs> it's it's just amazing how they pulled that film together. We'll always mm. have Paris. Actually, I have a we'll I have a I have a, I have a I have a family joke related to that uh, that has to do with the parrots that lived in our backyard uh, oh. in California and what I said to my wife as we left and she was cheery about leaving the house. We'll always have parrots. Okay, I, I, I was thinking of Paris, Tennessee, for some reason. Well, anyway, speaking of foreign locales. Uh, or uh, I don't know that that picture is actually made in a foreign locale. Apparently, she's foreign born, but I'm not sure that she's uh, actually in you. That, that doesn't look like the Sea of Azov to me. Well, even now, at the, uh, at the top of my blog, theothermccain.com, you can see Ukraine's victory in the Battle of Kharkiv, which I chose to illustrate 
with a Ukrainian bikini model. Because usually, <laughs> usually when I start talking about uh, uh, the battle, you know what what is hard to find on this war. You can find all kinds of stuff about oh the civilians, the you know the mm -hmm. the refugees. You get all this stuff about the politics and the mm -hmm. and and you know people contemplating uh, uh, what's going to happen to Vladimir Putin. You know this big picture. <laughs> Uh, deep think stuff, you know, and stuff like that. What I want is the tactical information. Okay? Well, I've got mm -hmm. some deep think stuff that we're going to do uh, on the second uh, story of yours that we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, let's, anyways, let, let's, let's let's get through this one because there's some interesting stuff here. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyways, but the but the point is, I usually illustrate these with maps, okay? And I decided instead to illustrate it with a, a Ukrainian. Uh, bikini model because why not because the topography is so nice yeah yes well the mountains <laughs> the valleys you know <laughs> the bend of the river uh so to speak Stacey, both those images pass rule five uh, yeah yes they do yeah, well, was, anyways, i said you were doing a rule five post yeah, the Institute for the Study of War, which, by the way, it's the ISW, and if you could go to their page, that's where you can get the real good stuff about what's going on in the war. Mm -hmm. And also about what's not going on. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, they had, they've had a couple of very insightful posts in the last few days. Yes, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it's, it, I mean, it's a go-to source. The Russian military has likely decided to withdraw fully from its positions around Kharkiv City in the wake mm -hmm. of uh, Ukrainian counteroffensives and the limited availability of reinforcements. That's important. Mm -hmm. Russian units have generally not attempted to hold ground against counterattacking Ukrainian forces over the past several days, with a few exceptions. Reports from mm -hmm. Western officials and a video from an officer of the Donetsk People's Republic, People's Republic right. indicate that Moscow is focused on conducting an orderly withdrawal. Ukraine thus appears to have won the Battle of Kharkiv. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so this is the second big defeat uh, for the Russians. First of all, in April, uh, they were driven uh, back from uh, Kiev and, and withdrew. Mm -hmm. And so now Kharkiv, which is the second largest uh, Ukrainian city, they have been mm -hmm. forced to retreat from there. And so, so, you know, and so now we have to focus on, well, what comes next? Okay, what, mm -hmm. where do they go from there? And, and that's where I get into talking about the maps and the <laughs> locations, because uh, several people, uh, you know, I was one of the first bloggers to jump on it. Uh, but uh, Russian forces attempting a river crossing near the town of, pronounce that town for me, uh, Diana. Uh, which one are we, do you Bilorivka? want? Oh, 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 yeah, hang on a sec. I, I got distracted, forgive me. Oh, you, um, wait, 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 you weren't staring at the bikini model, were you? No, actually, I was staring at the map. Aha, <laughs> yes, I did include the map. Okay. I'm sorry, I got lost in the map, which is all my own fault. Okay. Okay. Um, the name of that town is pronounced Boho. Uh, Boho. Uh, da, 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 da. B i l o h o r i v k a. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know. 
Yeah. Bilohirivka. Bilohirivka. Okay. Well, anyways, they were Sorry attempting a that. river crossing, and they got uh, basically an entire battalion got destroyed last weekend. Uh, well, mm -hmm. on Thursday, they tried it again with similarly disastrous results. Now, the question is, why are they pushing so hard to try to get across the river? Well, you have to look at the map. You have to stop mm -hmm. staring at the bikinis long enough to look at the map and see that there's a town called Severodonetsk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is yes, the extreme northeast uh, salient, uh, the, the, the mm -hmm. frontier on the uh, Donbass front. Um, mm -hmm. And it's on the north bank or, or, or west bank, east bank, I'm sorry to say, the east bank <laughs> of the river. And so, and so uh, having that bridgehead on the, on the far bank of the river is very important to Ukraine in terms of their ability to counterattack because as mm -hmm. we've seen elsewhere, you know, river crossings are, are very difficult uh, to yep. defend under the present tactical situation. Yep. And, yep. So, and so that's... But, where I'm looking for the next week's action and, to be and, happening. Well, and here's where I get in. I'm going to put on my former military officer's uh -huh. hat. Um, uh -huh. You know, the government actually spent a lot of money training me in things uh, like uh, the nine principles of warfare. And there are mm -hmm. things like maneuver, mass, economy of force, uh, mm -hmm. security, surprise. Uh, but the point is, is that we have an American way of war. And, and mm -hmm. we, we operate within those nine principles of warfare. The Russians have 10. <laughs> uh, they're exactly the same as our nine plus one more. Annihilation. Uh -huh. Completely destroy the enemy. Mm -hmm. Okay, now let's look at the way uh, over the last uh, 80 years the, mm. the two nations have fought wars. Uh, the Russians annihilated the Germans. Uh, yes, they did. They, they, they weren't very subtle about it. They just annihilated them. And then they tried to do that in Afghanistan and failed. Lost. And failed. And they're trying to do it again in uh, Ukraine and failing. Now, take a look at what we did uh, with our principles of warfare. We developed a, a, a combined arms approach where the uh, air and land and sea all function as an integral unit. Uh, and one of the things that the, the, the Germans thought about, that wasn't fair about us was that we would uh, uh, bring in airstrikes and uh, uh, heavy, ar heavy coordinated artillery with our actual tactical units. And, uh, you know, that it was two different wars that the Germans were fighting. And we then took that and improved upon it and used mm -hmm. it in Vietnam and never, essentially never lost a battle in Vietnam and lost the war and never lost a battle in Afghanistan and lost the war. So mm -hmm. both, of the, both of these principles of warfare, when you apply them, don't work if, unless you uh, uh, use them to the end of victory. In the, mm -hmm. the Russians' case, it's because they didn't have the logistics and the resources. In our case, it's been because we haven't had the will. The thing mm -hmm. is, the, your, the 
Ukrainians have seen what we did in Afghanistan, and they've mm-hmm. seen uh, what we, and they've been trained by our people who did that in Afghanistan. But you know the difference between the Ukrainians and us? Willpower. The Ukrainians mm-hmm. have the will to win, and they have the skills now, and they're becoming equipped. And the, the, the problem is not so much, yes, the, you're going to have tactical situations, but the strategic yeah. situation at the national level just weighs heavily against the Russians. Yes. Well, we, it, ever since going back to the Crimean War in the uh, uh, 1860s, yeah, the 19th century and, and uh, you know, the development uh, of modern rifles and then the machine mm-hmm. gun, uh, there was a considerable uh, advantage to the defensive, which in World War I led to complete stalemate. Well, mm-hmm. then the development of uh, joint operations between air and armor, which was the Blitzkrieg, uh, you know, the German Blitzkrieg introduced a, a new thing. But now uh, the sophistication of anti-tank weapons, uh, aerial reconnaissance with drones. But even this, this, mm-hmm. this, this, this scenario at the river crossing that we were talking about a little bit, yeah. this is an example of the kind of combined arms that we developed beginning in the Second World War that, we u- mm-hmm. that we've been using ever since, where there was a forward observer who went there and figured mm-hmm. out what was going on and laid in yep. uh, an artillery barrage. And then the, the, tr- the people there on the site, even though it was smoky and foggy and obscured, they, they knew that uh, because the speed of the river, that there would have to be a tugboat involved in the pontoon bridge. Yeah. And when they heard the tugboat, they called the artillery strike. <laughs> yep. Right. It's that kind of stuff. It's that kind of coordination, that kind of trust among uh, units that you don't have with the Russians. Yeah. Nope. Well, it, that it, kind of, that kind of, that kind of, you know, this is, this is a, probably a Lieutenant or a captain taking those decisions. And that the reason they're losing so, so many damn generals and colonels is because lieutenants and captains can't make decisions like that. Yeah. In the Russian nope. army. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm looking, you know, I, uh, once I finished staring at the bikini model and started looking <laughs> at the map, uh, you realize that what has happened is that the Russians have reached the riverbank uh, mm-hmm. uh, in between uh, two bridgeheads. In other words, that that at Lehman, I guess that's how mm-hmm. it's pronounced. That's fine. The, that works on the on the wet, west and Severodonetsk on the right. Uh, so that's two places where. The Ukrainians hold the uh, eastern bank of the river, and mm-hmm. and so so striking between those two bridgeheads in an attempt to uh, uh, hit the uh, lines of communications to Severodonetsk, excuse oh. me, Severodonetsk, um, yeah, is is obviously within the Russian plan, and they're they're mm-hmm. allegedly still trying that and and i don't know how many times they're going to get get their asses blown up before they uh give it up Uh, Mm -hmm. and then the question becomes can the 
uh, Ukrainians call on enough reserves to then begin their own pincers movement uh, to, uh, to, you know, to close in on that Russian advance. And so, and so the tactical situation, you know, I, I, where I learned war was studying books about the Civil mm -hmm. War and, you know, and all you could see were the maps you know, mm -hmm. is it, it, and, and so studying maps and seeing tactical opportunities, you know, and that's, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, the, the, the media generally is just very bad about reporting the war. And I'm not going to name my friend, a certain blogger for a corporate site <clears throat> uh, uh, who could not uh, understand that this bridge was nowhere near Kharkiv, okay? Kharkiv no, is like near. 60 miles away. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, this is very far to the east of Kharkiv where this bridge mm -hmm. thing, and, and, in, and I was reading his blogging on it, and I'm going, you dumb shit. Why don't you read my blog? <laughs> well, you know? yeah. But anyways, everyone well, should but, read you know, my blog. Well, you know, it, one, of the yep. things, one of the things that will help you learn about the value of... Uh, uh, real estate in, in high ground and water barriers mm -hmm. and that sort of stuff. Well, is, is actually having to engage in the exercise yourself, but I don't <laughs> recommend that in terms of uh, yeah. uh, your uh, health. Have a choice. On the other hand, I, I literally grew up uh, on the edge of a civil war battlefield for the battle of Nashville. You know, we used, uh -huh. to, we used to go hiking on the hill across the uh, road and, and find things like, uh, uh, old revolver uh, old colt revolver frames that had rusted out after almost a hundred years and that sort of stuff mm -hmm. so and to see what it would have been like to charge up and down that hill <laughs> with somebody yes. trying to uh, shoot you with a rifle you know it really puts things into uh perspective anyway speaking of perspectives i learned a, a, a whole lot about history there <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's it, it's interesting apparently in the schools out in Oklahoma, they must not have taught very much history or civics because <laughs> uh, this week, uh, Focahontas, uh, Senator Warren, uh, was 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 all <laughs> further unglued uh, after the Senate vote on uh, uh, you know putting Roe v. Wade in terms of statute law, and uh. she she the the Hill. Uh, quoted her uh, in a tweet as saying, I believe in democracy and I don't believe the minority should have the ability <laughs> to block things uh, the, that the majority wants to do. That's not in the Constitution. It's time to get rid of the filibuster. Well, you know, the bill went down 51 to 49. <laughs> I've been laughing over that since you know, she said it. It's, it's like, you know, cocaine Mitch had a filibuster uh, spooled up, but he didn't have to pull the trigger on it because there wasn't, yeah. you know, uh, there wasn't, you know, he, he, it was it was in the Republicans' best interest to let the Democrats vote uh, uh, all but one of to them. To kill and, babies, and, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, uh, overreach, desperation, panic. It's going to be one hell of an interesting uh, campaign season. Coming yeah, up. you know, um, 
the thing is, is that uh, Cocaine Mitch, uh, and we speak of the uh, senior senator from Kentucky here, Mitch uh, McConnell, McConnell, the uh, mm-hmm. minority The murder leader. turtle. The murder turtle, yes. Uh, Mitch, uh, I, I'll say this about him. He sure knows how to count vo- votes. Yep. Yes. Uh, and You and- may not like everything he does, but you can be thankful <sighs> for the Supreme Court and the, his vote counting. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that's, I, I mean, I, I thought about writing a column uh, uh, about the, the fact that, you know, uh, conservatives love to badmouth Mitch, you know, uh, mm-hmm. when he sells us out and backstab us and everything like that. But if you are a pro-lifer, you have mm-hmm. to say you owe Mitch McConnell because first he blocked that son of a bitch from getting on under Obama. Garland. Merrick Garland, our current attorney general. Yeah, he kept Merrick Garland off the bench. And, and instead gave us Gorsuch, and then he gave us Kavanaugh, and then he gave mm-hmm. us Coney Barrett. Amy yep. Coney Barrett. Yeah, and so, so, so the, the pro-life majority on the court, uh, thank you, uh, Senator McConnell. Yes, but speaking mm-hmm. of pro-life, uh-huh. and a wonderful Rule 5 uh, picture, uh, you, had uh-huh. a, you had a post uh, about the uh, baby oh, killers. The baby. Democrats, the baby killer party, and and yes, it is definitely a rule five picture. I, I by the way, how is did how did Stacey? No, that's not my granddaughter. Okay. Uh, uh, what happened was is that is that I was reading, um, Instapundit, and I was uh, reading uh, the the post which I'm going to quote in a minute, and and it it just sort of is like you stupid people. Why would you hang this around your neck? Uh, But anyways, and so I then Googled cute baby. (laughs) Okay. And this was one of the top choices that came back. And I've got just an absolutely break your heart, adorable little baby's picture there. And, and, And I say, why does Chuck Schumer want to kill babies? And I then quote uh, National Review, Senate Democrats failed to advance a bill to codify Roe v. Wade and create a national right to abortion on Wednesday. The procedural vote to invoke cloture and advance the Women's Health Protection Act failed in a 49 to 51 vote. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer chose to hold the vote despite the near certainty that Democrats would fail to meet the 60-vote threshold needed to break a Republican filibuster and advance the measure. The largely symbolic vote came after a leaked majority draft opinion in Dobbs versus Jackson. Um, revealed that the Supreme Court could be posed, poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. And then mm-hmm. um, I quote, and I'm telling you who I'm, let me tell you who I'm quoting here. Uh, just make sure the proper credit. It's Kevin Downey Jr. Uh, from mm-hmm. Pajamas Media, PJ Media. He says, quote, mm-hmm. the import, most important thing about this vote is that we've got 49 Democrats on record supporting abortion up until birth. Remember that this November. 
On the other hand, there's a certain efficiency in uh, getting them that quick, uh, it, it, and it saves the cleanup uh, in places like Chicago. Aha. Uh -huh. Well, well. Speaking of um, speaking of uh, uh, human life, uh, Mayor Frogface, our uh, amphibian American mayor, uh, uh, one of the leading uh, amphibians in American politics. Uh, uh, the year-to-date homicide total in Chicago has already topped 200, but the yeah. city's amphibian American mayor isn't worried about that. In an average week, 11 people are murdered in Chicago. You might think that reducing this deadly violence would be a top priority for Mayor Lori Lightfoot, a task yeah. that would absorb all her attention. Nevertheless, she manages to find time to spend on Twitter warning her community about the real danger, <laughs> the United States Supreme Court. And then I, I screen cap a uh, tweet from Mayor Lightfoot, a.k.a. Mayor Frogface, to my friends in the LGBTQ plus community. The Supreme Court is coming for us next. This moment has to be a call to arms. Well, last year was the city's deadliest year since 1996. And I think that phrase, a call to arms against the Supreme Court of yeah, all people. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the shootings are so out of control, by the way, uh, oh. that, that for Memorial Day weekend, the police department is canceling all days off for a full week a full oh. week on either side of Memorial Day. Uh, and the question is, who is perpetrating all this violence in Chicago? You know, it just, I well, it to... isn't a bunch of Republicans wearing MAGA hats, that's for sure. Uh, As I said, I'm pretty sure it's not Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. Well, here's the thing. I am... Yeah. When I, I spent some time working based in northern Indiana, uh, and um, my uh, late wife was uh, born in Cook County, uh -huh. and some of the most wonderful romantic evenings I've ever had in my life were uh, in Chicago, including one Memorial Day weekend uh, uh, with Connie. And I had, you know, and... In 1978, I felt safe in Chicago. I oh. don't now. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, the only way you'd get me to stop in, in Chicago would be at a red light. Uh, it's, mm. you know, it's, uh, and I would try to stay on the expressway so I didn't have to. It's, you know, it's just, I, I, I miss the Chicago that I knew 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. Well, on Friday the 13th, uh, two people, uh, a 17-year-old male and a 40-year-old male, were uh, shot to death in uh, Chicago, um, and uh, five other people were wounded in, in different shootings. So, so that's two dead and five wounded on Friday alone. 
well, while she's talking about a call to arms against the Supreme Court. Well, on the other hand, you know, it's th th this is the sort of irresponsible politician that makes me remember why we have a Second Amendment. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and speaking of the Second Amendment, uh -huh. I'm running low on practice ammo. Uh oh. Uh, which means oh, I'm going to no. go have. Which means I'm going to go have to spend some money. There's all sorts of expenses that we have in our lives, uh, Stacy. Mm -hmm. And since you do this for a living, you probably should explain to people how they can help support that with the yellow button. Ah, the yellow button, folks. If you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com. By the way, we have reached the shameless capitalism <laughs> part of the. Podcast. Uh, if you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, you will notice near the top of the center column uh, a yellow button with the word donate on it. If you will click the yellow button, it will take you to my PayPal account where you can contribute dollars, pesos, euros, uh, yen, uh, many other currencies, uh, but not rubles right now because uh, Vladimir Putin has wrecked that. But you can contribute any currency you like. Uh, to the support of the blog and, of course, to support the podcast, uh, but most of all, uh, to keep my wife happy because uh, she likes it when I make money off of this stuff, and keeping my wife happy is job number one. You know, speaking of expenses, unexpected expenses, I know you need uh, your practice ammo for target practice, but... Uh, uh, today, I had to go to the airport. My daughter flew home from college, and I had to drive all the way to uh, a, a, a major airport, a major East Coast airport to uh, pick <laughs> her up. And um, and on the way back, we I was almost out of gas, so I had to fill up the tank. It cost $67, $67. So. Uh, just to pick up my uh, daughter from the airport, and uh, well, I mean, I didn't spend the whole tank on that, but it was it was a pretty good ride. So, so yes, if you will click the yellow button and contribute to the PayPal account, you will help uh, uh, keep my wife happy. Meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hogwash.com. I stopped for gas on the way over. Over, it was only four dollars and thirty cents a gallon. I thought it was a bargain for these days, but uh, <laughs> so I'm, how much did it cost to fill up? Uh, you know, I I didn't more than you want to. Think I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't actually look at that because I was in a hurry. I I just noticed the price and. Well, I guess I could work it. Probably a, just under $50 for the yeah. amount of gas I was putting yeah, in. Yeah, a little car. Volkswagen. Yeah. But anyway, the the thing is, is that at Hogwash, uh, if you want to help support the blog, I'd be very thankful. You just go over in the sidebar there, click on the icon of the tip jar. It'll take you off to my PayPal account. Or you can uh, click on the icon that takes you off to the Hogwash store, do your shopping there. Or you can do your... Amazon shopping via the links that you'll find at Hogwash or uh, at uh, the other McCain. Or you can go over uh, and get my uh, mailing address uh, out of the uh, uh, menu bar at the top. It's in the under the DMCA contact info. And you can mail me all your nice gold imperial uh, rubles or any kind of <laughs> folding money that's uh, reasonable. I'll be happy to have that as well. Regardless... Of how you choose to support us, please remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit 
the freaking tip jar. Yes, please. And that's not disinformation, by the way. Not at all. Oh, well, if you want to talk about disinformation, I'm so old that I remember when we had competent White House press secretaries like James Haggerty or Pierre Salinger. Boy, am I doing myself. For those of you who uh, don't know, that's Eisenhower and Kennedy. Uh, Mm. But um, anyway, uh, we have the most interesting sort of uh, person who's been uh, the press secretary for the last almost year and a half. (sighs) Since she's going away, I had a couple of of clips of her that I linked to in the book. Uh, on the blog, one of them under a post called Who to Thunk It, uh, where she mm. is saying, I don't think anyone could predict it a year ago that inflation was sort of record highs. Oh, yes, they could. People did. Well, yeah, uh, you know, probably uh, Larry Summers should uh, have a word with her about that. Probably. It's, yeah. Uh, the other thing was uh, she was talking about uh, uh, various things, and she basically asserted that uh, the president controls all the branches of government. <laughs> Chief Justice uh... Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, and Speaker Pelosi and Majority Leader Schumer probably should have a word with her about that. Although not yeah. that her opinion matters that much anymore. But probably the best parting shot I've seen is actually a tweet. Uh, from uh, EDL blogger lady, the evil blogger <laughs> lady. Uh, ha- ha- That's has, has, at Miss EBL. Yes, the... at uh, Ms. EBL. And she has a picture of the White House <laughs> press secretary stand there with Raggedy Ann <laughs> at, at, the, at the lectern. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I hate the ginger hate. By the way, I've got two redheaded children, and and so I'm not mm-hmm. much for the ginger hate. But I, I, I got to tell you, um, uh, Saki's tenure as a, a White House speaker. But I have to say that 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 you you got to give her credit. She does give Peter Ducey, uh, you know, you know, he lets him speak. I mean, he gets his time, and boy, he has turned into like. He's the Sam Donaldson in the current press corps. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Sam Donaldson was always mm-hmm. going after Reagan back in the day. Well, yes. Well, Sam Donaldson was also. And Nixon. <laughs> after, also, well, actually, it was uh, Dan Rather more uh, going after Nixon. But, yeah, Donaldson uh, uh, did it as well. But, well, you know, to be absolutely honest, um, after 1978, he started going after Carter too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, well, it was a, he was an equal opportunity abuser. Abuser. Yeah, basically, true. he he no, he was enough of an old time press guy that he viewed whoever was in uh, on uh, you know whoever was in the political slot as the guy to uh, be. Uh, 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 extremely uh, uh gone over uh basically is the enemy yeah and mm-hmm. uh, and there's a certain there's a certain amount of uh idea for that well you know i i have to say is that um the idea of the uh press as an adversarial relationship to to people in office it, mm-hmm. you know in this sort of adversarial journalism is something that 
um, really is is generally recent. Okay, used to be okay before the rise of the uh, mm. three network monopoly in the fifties, and and you know b- before really before the twentieth century, but it, continuing into the twentieth century, that newspapers being the main source of of um, of um, information. Uh, newspapers were partisan. Almost all newspapers were were partisan in their affiliation, mm-hmm. and and you go back as far as Jefferson denouncing, you know, Thomas Jefferson uh, uh, mm-hmm. denouncing the press uh, for the scurrilous lies that they published. Well, the oldest continuing publishing newspaper was uh, in the United States the was Post. is the Post that was started by Alexander Hamilton. Do you think mm-hmm. it was partisan? Uh, he, oh, Who yeah. had no love of Jefferson. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and absolutely, absolutely. The, the, uh, when I was growing up, in, mm-hmm. um, uh, the thing is, I grew up in the solid South back in the mm-hmm. day. And so, but but it, in Atlanta, you had the Morning Constitution and the Evening Journal. Okay, there was the morning paper. Now they were owned by the uh, uh, same company eventually. Okay, that that they you know that they had merged, and so it became known the as Journal the Constitution. Jur- yeah. Journal Constitution, mm-hmm. or, or locally known as the Urinal Constipation. Constipation. But but anyways, the but the morning paper was the more liberal paper, and the in the afternoon paper was the more conservative. The paper. Nashville Tennessean was solidly Democrat. The Nashville Banner, the evening paper, was solidly Republican. Yeah, and so Chronicle and so, versus Examiner, same thing. Right, right, and so but but this this mm. business, it's but then you had sort of a truce on partisan politics uh, for a while in in journalism, but then came Watergate, and this yeah. idea that any time a Republican was in the White House, that that you had to go hunting around for scandal. Okay, this is what led to the absolute bullshit scandal of all time in my book. Uh, which was the Iran-Contra uh, scandal, because, uh, you know, what was the real scandal there, as far as I'm concerned, was the Boland Amendment, okay? But that was mm. just a, that was, a, that was, I'm sorry, that was, you know, a commie piece of legislation, and I don't mm. care, you know, is that the idea that we're going to uh, pass legislation in Congress to protect a communist regime in Nicaragua? I mean, mm-hmm. what the absolute hell? But On the other the- hand, look at the, some of the stuff that uh, we're passing legislation to protect now. Oh, and, and people, things that people think are a good idea. I had a post. Yeah. I'm not, this is my, uh, I'm not making this up, you know, post for this week. <laughs> the Daily Mail, right? reports that a child sex abuse center at John Hopkins University has Mm -hmm. hired a professor who had been forced to resign uh, from uh, Virginia school for defending pedophiles as minor attracted persons. Okay, and he's going to start work as a postdoc fellow at the school later this month at, at their center that's aimed at preventing child sexual abuse. I don't quite see how that works, but Hang okay, on a maybe just just hold on just a second. Yeah. Go ahead, yeah, keep going. No, okay, my I was gonna say okay, 
charitably. Perhaps somebody who is um, inclined that way uh, can get therapy or treatment or something that will uh, render them less dangerous. I don't know, but and maybe that's a good thing. But 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 <laughs> my basic reaction is uh, really not positive. I review. I view the entire idea of trying to make some kind of um, apology or excuse for people like for pedophiles, just unacceptable. I just can't do it. Well, I, mean, this brain, makes the, I this, can't get my brain around it. This makes the whole okay groomer thing. I mean, it's like, uh, yeah. hello testing. You know, you've got a bunch of immature young kids that are prepubescent there it's not even part of their hormonal makeup to even be thinking about this sort of thing and you've got yes. people who want to suck them in to uh you know mm -hmm. just deviance uh, mm -hmm. uh if you go back to january uh the the person known as alan walker oh, um, dear. is actually was born allison walker uh, mm -hmm. And uh, she had been forced to resign from Old Dominion University because of her pro-pedophile advocacy. Ugh. All right. Uh, and and uh, USA Today ran an article attempting to destigmatize pedophilia. Okay. Uh -uh. USA Today, a Gannett product, by the way. Um, uh, and and, uh, and the, <laughs> And here's the lead of, of their uh, article. Pedophilia is viewed as among the most horrifying social ills. But yeah. scientists who study the sexual disorder say it is also among the most misunderstood. Well, it can still be uh, both misunderstood and evil. Yeah, yeah. Well, I and I'm perfectly that, good with that. <laughs> I led that post in, in, when I blogged about this in January mm -hmm. with a large illustration, a large illustration of a wood chipper. And yes. uh, as a matter of fact, if you shop the, as speaking of shameless capitalism, if you shop the Amazon links at, at my uh, at my blog, you can actually buy a seven horsepower wood chipper from Amazon for six hundred and nineteen dollars. And I don't know what you would do with that wood chipper. But uh, but I will point out that if you uh, sign up for Prime, and it weighs less than 125 pounds, and it might, uh, the shipping's free. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so, so, but yeah, yeah, this. Institutions like that become reflective of the communities that they're in and that support them. And my whole reaction to this story was, forget it, gentle reader, it's Baltimore. <laughs>
Yeah. yeah, Baltimore is not one of the it, it, it's it's well, I'll put it to you this way. Nancy Pelosi's father ran the uh, political machine there for decades. Yeah. It's a yeah. bad place. But John Hopkins University, they this is a no. We're home to a rehabilitation program. It, 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 you know, that's a that's a sex that is a it is a yeah. very bifurcated uh, university. The medical school and the liberal arts people are well. You can see the kind of people they bring in. On Bonkers. the other hand, on the other hand, the STEM people do things like run the Hubble Space Telescope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know. And, and, and by the way, I, I mean MIT, Stanford, Caltech, Berkeley, even. Okay, you know, if you get into the hard sciences and stuff like that at those schools, they have excellent programs. But the 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 liberal arts and social sciences are just so far left, you know, that they're about to fall off the edge of the planet. On the other hand, on the other hand, they're in communities that are dominated by the left. And Mm -hmm. as you have pointed out, Democrats like to pretend Yes, yes. I had a a post this week uh, leading with a quote from Professor Glenn Reynolds, a.k.a. Instapundit. Democrats like to pretend that it's always 1963 because that's the last time they can remember being the good guys. (laughs) And and this is illustrated with uh, tweets from Representative Eric Swalwell. Uh, you you guys remember Eric Swalwell oh, of the 25th District of California. Uh, bang, he, bang, fang, fang. Or bang, fang, bang, 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 bang. Yes. Uh, and also uh, known as Eric Fartwell. Uh, yes. For, for, for reasons we won't go into here. But anyways, he had a tweet that said the Republicans won't stop with banning abortion. <laughs> They want to ban interracial marriage. Do you want to save that? Well, then you should probably vote. Hmm. Uh, this, the reply to this came from a Texas Republican who replied to Swalwell by saying, Hi, Eric. My name is Wesley Hunt. I'm a Republican nominee in a congressional district that is 70% white. I'm black, I'm in an interracial marriage, and my wife and I have two biracial daughters. Republicans are celebrating diversity while white liberals like yourself race bait. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and I Swalwell sick man. Well, Swalwell needs to open up his eyes just a few hundred yards. <laughs> if he would... He would notice that the Senate majority liter- leader is a white dude married to a Chinese woman, mm-hmm. and he um, would notice yeah. that there's a supreme black Supreme Court justice married to a white woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, what are the odds of that uh, very conservative Supreme Court justice coming out uh, and making uh, interracial marriage illegal? And what are the odds of that uh, that Senate uh, leader uh, getting behind a bill to outlaw his marriage? Yeah, now, right. Look up the uh, Secretary of State of uh, Kentucky while you're at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I believe his name is uh, Ken Gardner. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. correct. So, so, so this idea, and and 
By the way, the 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 Democrats have just gone into desperation mode, and something I wanted to blog about uh, this week that I didn't get around to was this ultra MAGA. Well, yeah, but oh, this crap. whole that the whole thing has to do with the reason why they don't see themselves as having been the good guys uh, since uh, 63, or at least uh, in a questionable situation is because of the kind of intellectual and moral foundation underneath their world view. I mean, basically, uh, since roughly uh, the 1870s, there's mm. been a, 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 a progressive movement throughout the the world throughout the West uh, and progressivism in the United States was not the same as progressivism in Europe. It did not in the, in, in the 1870s, it wasn't the least bit Marxist, but it mm-hmm. what it was there and it abandoned, it abandoned its own roots after the first world war and wound up slouching toward Gomorrah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for reminding me that, and yeah, which yes. and what rough beast it's our come round at last slouches <laughs> towards Bethlehem to be born. Yes, that's the second coming by Yates. Yeah, Yates, I know. Yates, yes, it's it's but, Yates. I start to but say slouchy card demora's uh, Judge Borg. Yeah, Judge Borg, <laughs> and, and and I mentioned that because I did a post talking about uh, in this post of Democrats like to pretend. I sort of go through the history of the Democratic mm. Party because I actually co-wrote a book about the history of, of sex, crime, and corruption in the Democratic Party, and uh-huh. one of the problems. Uh, that conservatives have is is they have this idea, all of them, uh, is that until quite recently, sometime in the past couple of decades or so, supposedly, there were good old common sense Democrats around. Now, they were, as individuals, uh, common sense Democrats, but the party itself in general has always been bad. And and I, and it took me a while to come to it because I was born and raised a Democrat, mm-hmm. uh, but I I studied the history and I realized that that really from its founding, uh, the Democrats Democratic Party contained seeds of corruptions that that it, it has never uprooted and so well i mean it goes all the way back to jefferson uh and the deal he cut with tammany hall to get the party started in the first place Mm -hmm. right 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 and you you really have to study that to understand what happened and even even the the jacksonian takeover did not make it any better that's right and And that's where the spoil system is so important to understand but i i'm going to uh as we are nearing uh uh, nearing the uh, uh, end of the hour here, I, I, I need to accelerate a little bit. Well, yeah, but I wanted to throw in the, this idea about American progressivism being different from European progressivism. European progressivism is always Marxist from day one. American uh, Fabi- the Fabian thing about um, trade unionism and public health is not entirely Marxist. But it, but it, 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 it ha- but it has, well, okay, then it's Nietzschean with will to power. But the, close to the, that, better. Uh, well, and, and well, there's a lot of commonality about will to power between Marx mm-hmm. and Nietzsche. There but, is, and, and and Nietzsche is correct in saying that 
as that becomes decoupled from uh, uh, a godliness that you're going to have uh, the 20th century. And we sure enough did. But if, if you look at the American progressive movement, it actually comes out of a religious movement, the same sort of religious background that organizations like the Salvation Army come out of that are mm-hmm. trying to do good works. But because of a because of an eschatological view about the perfectibility of man, and we're going to make we're going to make the world nice enough that Jesus will be willing to come back, uh, you know. <laughs> Look, yeah, this, that ain't in the Bible. Well, 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 but I mean, but it, but it was a, a very prominent post-millennial es- eschatological thing. It kind of mm-hmm. fell apart and died in the, in the trenches in the First World War about the perfectibility of man. And then, what did these people have to grab onto? Because some of them, first of all, were uncoupled from uh, from a, a, a Christian worldview belief system. But they were they had this idea about perfectibility of man, and they had to then go in order to have any kind of intellectual underpinning such as it is, they had to mm-hmm. become more Marxist. And so mm-hmm. that's that's how that's how you wind up slouching from Gomorrah when you when when your worldview that might have had some religious basis becomes de- fails and you decouple from religion rather than get your religion back together uh that's that's how we wind up with the the moral situation we're in Mm. well to switch from philosophy okay uh, uh, to to history uh when i was uh talking about the uh trying to debunk some of the mythology about the good old democratic party well the demo i didn't you know the democratic party left me i didn't leave the democratic party as reagan famously said but but this idea that the democratic party of the past was was good was something that i i took on in some detail and in the comments, uh, my readers uh, uh, were, were trying to defend uh, Harry Truman, et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, as I was talking to John um, before we went on the air, we talked about uh, slouching toward Gamora mm-hmm. by Robert Bork. If you remember, Robert Bork uh, is where we mm-hmm. get the term Borking from, was nominated to the Supreme Court and uh, uh, defamed, really, by oh. Ted Kennedy. Uh, oh, yeah. Anyways, and, and Bork, in, in the preamble to the book, in the introduction to Slouching Toward Gamora, he just, in passing, uh, mentions that when we talk about the 60s, right, because those of us who are oh. old enough to remember the 60s, um, you know, it was the great turning point. It was this upheaval in American society. You know, people tuned in, turned on, and dropped out. You know, drugs, Mm -hmm. sex, rock and roll, riots in the cities, uh, burning your draft cards, all that uh, cultural upheaval of the 1960s. And Bork made the point that the 60s did not come from nowhere. In other words, that the the existing society in in 1960 there must have been some problem underneath right that that the superstructure uh was rotten uh otherwise it could not have been brought down so easily and so so he just makes that note and then moves on but i've also always thought that was profound that somewhere in the tranquility of the eyes and 
Eisenhower area, you know, the good old days mm -hmm. of the 1950s, something was wrong underneath. Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think this eschato well, eschatological point that you talk about is definitely... Well, also, there's, there's, look, the, the, there was incredibly disruptive uh, time uh, with, the, with the Roosevelt administration, screwing mm -hmm. things up and getting into people's lives. And, yep. uh, and as much as a hero he is, as good a leader as he is, you don't get to be a five-star general unless you're a member of the deep state. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And so that's, that, 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 that's, that's what happens. And, you know, you don't have to be crazy to see that that's dangerous. On the other hand, crazy people are dangerous. All right. Uh, Boy, and and the, the post this week, which I is the 37th post I've had uh, with the headline, crazy people are dangerous. And not all of the posts I have illustrating that point are headline, crazy people are dangerous. So this is how long I've been pounding that in there. And uh, it is illustrated with a photo of Ruby Taverner, uh, 22, and I said, well, say hello to Ruby, and while you're at it, go ahead and say goodbye, because Ruby is dead. Ruby began life as a male named Martin Taverner, but it's mm -hmm. the 21st century, and we're all supposed to pretend that this is perfectly normal, but two other people are now dead including Ruby's quote-unquote boyfriend, who is actually a woman named Amber, but called herself Ray. Everything in this story is crazy. And now I quote from The Blaze. Police say that a transgender woman was found shot to death after she shot and killed her transgender boyfriend and her twin brother. The lethal incident unfolded on Sunday morning about 3.30 a.m. at an apartment in Independence Township, Michigan. The Oakland County Sheriff's Office said they, they were called to the apartment over a report of shots being fired when they arrived. They found two victims shot to death. Ray Muscat, a 26-year-old transgender man, and 22-year-old Bishop Tavener. Muscat was previously known as Amber Muscat. Police oh. identified 22-year-old Ruby Tavener as a suspect in the murder since she lived at the apartment, was in a romantic relationship with Muscat, and was the twin to Bishop Tavener. Ruby was previously oh. known as Martin Tavener, they warned at the time that Taverner was armed and dangerous. One day later, they found Taverner dead, apparently from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Her body was found in a wooded area near the apartment house. Uh, WDIV reported that police had previously gone to the apartment for several mental health and wellness checks prior to the lethal shooting. And then they quote the sheriff, this tragic situation has now been brought to a close and our investigators will now pivot to see if we can answer the question on everyone's mind, why? End quote. Uh, because... As I said, you can save the taxpayers some money, sheriff, because I've got your answer here. Crazy people are dangerous. 
case yep. closed. It's Whoa. coming up on the end of the hour. So. Are we going to be back next week? Actually, we're not going to be back next week. Next week, I'm going to be in Tennessee. Oh, oh. you're going to Tennessee to bring back a big old haul of fireworks, are you? Well, I'll see that part of the family at the family reunion. So we'll oh, see what that else. sounds good. <laughs> well, well, folks, thank you for joining us, and we will return two weeks from tonight on yep. Saturday night. And as usual, uh, uh, Saturday night is time for the other podcast. So we'll be back in two weeks. Thanks for joining us, Diana. Anytime. Good night, everybody. We'll see y'all.